0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Therapy in a Nutshell. I'm Emma McAdam, a licensed marriage and family therapist, and this is the podcast where I condense mental health skills into bite-sized nuggets of help. You know what's funny about our mind? It lies to us all the time. Our mind loves to convince us that circumstances are the cause of our emotions. So, for example, you may think, I'm sad because I didn't get the job. But here's the thing, it's not the outside circumstances that make us sad or anxious. It's how we interpret them. It's how we think about them. If I don't get the job, I might actually be feeling sad because I'm thinking, oh, I'm such a failure, uh, instead of thinking I don't have the qualifications. Or I might be sad because I'm thinking, this career will never work out, instead of thinking I need to change my approach in the next interview. Or you might be sad because you're thinking, nothing good ever happens to me instead of, I'll try again soon. When we get stuck in thought patterns that are distorted or untrue or unhelpful, this can contribute to depression, anxiety, and other mental illness. And distorted thinking makes us less successful in both our professional and our personal lives. In this two-part skill, first you're going to learn about 10 common cognitive distortions. These are ways that you think that make you feel anxious or depressed. Then in part two, you're going to learn what you can do about these cognitive distortions by changing how you think so you can change how you feel. Cognitive distortions are ways that our mind convinces us of something that isn't actually true, but it feels true. Your thoughts twist reality and you start to feel like you're bad or broken or deficient. Or you begin to see the world as dangerous or threatening or cruel but here's the thing with cognitive distortions. You don't realize you're doing it. You think that the way you see things is reality. It feels true. When you think or when you talk through the lens of a cognitive distortion, you sound rational and accurate to yourself. And it's habitual. You've been thinking this way for so long that it just feels normal and natural to think this way. So is there anything you can do about this? You can change how you feel by changing how you think, but the first step is to learn what cognitive distortions are and to notice that you're using them. When you can identify cognitive distortions, you can also gain power over them. So understanding cognitive distortions is the foundation of cognitive behavioral therapy. This is one of the most common and very effective treatments for depression, anxiety, and other mental illnesses. Now during this episode, I'm going to use the fictional character of James to explain how cognitive distortions work. James is based on a couple of real clients, but all mishmashed together. So for this example, he's a manager at a restaurant, but he would really rather be a pilot. He's in his mid-twenties, he's single, he wishes he was married, he grew up in an abusive home, and his father and his stepfather are in prison. So now he's on his own and he's trying to figure out how to live a good life. Okay, so using that example, let's talk about the first cognitive distortion. Number one is all or nothing thinking. All or nothing thinking is when you think, if I can't do it all perfectly, or if I can't fix it all at once, I might as well not even bother. You think that you're either perfect or you're a failure. And this is common, especially with performance. So you may say something like, I'm failing math when you're getting a C, or you think that if you can't do it perfectly, why try, right? It looks like um, if I ate one cookie, then I've already failed at my diet, so I might as well eat the entire box. With James, for example, he knows that he should save money, but he's in so much debt that it seems pointless to try to get out. He would say things like, oh, I'm, I'm in too deep, so I might as well buy this fancy watch or the next big video game. Thinking this way usually makes you feel hopeless, depressed, and justified in giving up. Okay, number two, overgeneralizing. If you overgeneralize, you take one bad thing and you assume that everything will be awful after that. So for example, you may think things like, I'm never going to get a good job, or people will always take advantage of me, or I'm going to mess up every relationship, or you may say, I have the worst luck in the entire world. Now, With James, he got rejected by a girl he went out with once, and he says, Why does this always happen to me? There aren't any girls who could love me. I'm always going to be alone. Overgeneralizing uses words like always and never, and it exaggerates one bad situation and makes it feel worse. All right, number three, black and white thinking. So are you thinking in extremes? Do you only see the negative in a situation or in yourself? With black and white thinking, you may say something like, I'm a complete failure, or my parents are such idiots, or you never listen to me, or I'm the only one around here who ever gets things done, right? You can catch yourself doing this when you use extreme wording like, always, never, completely, terrible, etc. If you're using words like that, you are speaking in black and white. Now, James works at a fast food restaurant, right? James thinks, My boss is the biggest jerk ever. She is so mean to me. She doesn't even know how to make the food. I hate her and I hate my job. It's the worst job ever in the whole country. And this makes him feel angry, mistreated, discouraged, and victimized. Okay, number four is mind reading. Mind reading is assuming that people don't like you or assuming that you know how they feel about you. You might say things like, nobody likes me, everyone is judging me, my boss must think I'm incompetent. In session, James would sometimes say to me, you must think I'm a terrible person. Mind reading makes you feel insecure, anxious, fearful, and sometimes angry, vindictive, or upset. But it's not really based on reason. Okay, number five is catastrophizing. Catastrophizing is all about assuming that your fears and your worries must be true you believe the worst case scenario in your head is the most likely outcome. It's what-if thinking. It's imagining catastrophes. It sounds like, like, this is never going to work. I'm going to fail and make a complete fool of myself. Um, It sounds like, oh, she's late, it's raining, she must have crashed her car and she's upside down in a ditch. And with catastrophizing, you assume that your prediction is fact. James would say things like, I'm never going to be successful. I'm going to be stuck working fast food for the rest of my life. Now, just to be clear, these are his words, not mine. There is nothing wrong with honest labor. Um, I worked four years in a fast food company. I worked in a treadmill factory. I've worked manual labor for um, a good 10 years. There's nothing wrong with it. And also remember, James, he's in his early 20s, and in a matter of a couple of years, he could get a new job training, uh, a new career, and he could change his entire future but catastrophizing made him feel like everything was hopeless. Catastrophizing makes you feel fearful, anxious, hopeless, and it prevents real helpful action. Okay, number six is emotional reasoning. It's thinking that your feelings accurately reflect reality. So for example, if you're feeling stressed out about school, you might think the teacher must be giving us too much homework. Or if you feel hurt, you think the other person must be a jerk. Um, when you're on your period, you think, oh, I feel terrible, so I must be a terrible person. Or here's a really common one. If you feel anxious in social situations, you might think, I must be an awkward person. There's a difference between feeling anxious and actually acting awkward. Uh, Another thing people might say is, like, I must be stupid, I am stupid, when they just feel stupid, they feel dumb, right? James felt discouraged and worried about his future ability to succeed. He felt hopeless, so he decided to believe that it was hopeless, that he would never be able to do much. Emotional reasoning basically takes any emotion and it makes it bigger. Okay, number seven is labeling. Labeling is taking a behavior and turning it into an identity. This is putting a name or a label on something. So instead of thinking, you know, he made a mistake, you might label your neighbor as a complete idiot. Or you might think that because you've made mistakes that I'm a complete loser, I'm broken, I'm a failure. Or you might label others, right? He's a complete jerk, she's a monster, etc. Or if a kid makes a bad choice, you might say, oh they're a bad kid, etc. When James wasn't able to find a new job right away, he started to say things like this. He'd say, oh I'm such a loser, I'll never be successful. Remember, James was in his mid-20s. He had his entire life to learn the skills he needed to be successful, but he's already labeled himself as broken and as a failure. Labeling is all about creating hopelessness. If something is our identity, then there's nothing we can do about it. We're stuck, right? But the truth is we aren't what we feel or do. We all have an immense capacity to learn and to grow and to change and to improve. And this is why cognitive distortions are so harmful. They create a reality where change isn't possible. They make you feel trapped and hopeless when the reality is that with the right help or with the right skills or support or effort, you can change your life. You can live a good life. Okay, number eight is mental filtering. Mental filtering is only seeing one side of a situation, usually the negative. You tend to filter out the positive. So for example, you ignore the good things your boss does and you feel constantly annoyed at him, or you minimize all the good things that you do and you only dwell on your mistakes. So you can see this um, a lot with how women often take compliments, right? Often they immediately downplay it by saying, oh, you're so kind. But if someone gives them criticism, they take it to heart and they dwell on it and they worry about it for days. James would often dwell on his failures, especially with women, and he would remember his mistakes over and over um, especially with one girl who he really liked, and he would just keep thinking about what he did wrong. And this led him to feeling like he was a really bad person, when in actuality he was quite kind, and he tried to make the people around him happy, and that was just one relationship that didn't work out. Mental filtering can make you feel like a bad person, or it can make you more depressed, or see the world more negatively. On the other hand, with some people, mental filtering leads to defensiveness, right? Highlighting their own virtues and putting other people down. Either way, mental filtering distorts reality and harms us. Okay, number nine is personalization. It's thinking that everything others do is about you. So you think that if anything bad happens, it's your fault, or if someone's upset, it's because of you, right? You blame yourself for circumstances that are beyond your control. Um, This is taking things personally, right? You, You incorrectly might assume that you've been intentionally excluded or targeted. So for example, mom might think, oh, if my son misbehaves, it must be because I'm a bad mother. Or when you take things personally, you think, oh, if my, if my boss yells at me, it must be because I'm messing up. Or if the cashier is rude to me, they must not be respecting me. When in reality, your boss might be yelling because they have poor management skills. Or maybe the cashier's dog died that day, right? We don't really know why people are acting the way they do. But it's false to assume that everything they do is about us. This is a true story about one of my clients who I based this mishmashed James off of. So one of my clients said this. When he worked at the register taking orders, when people came in and said, I need three cheeseburgers, three fries, three drinks, you know, anytime they started off with the words, I need, he felt like they were being rude. He would think in his head, you don't need cheeseburgers, you want cheeseburgers. And so this made him mad every time they did it, which was like, of course, dozens of times a day, right? Or if a customer came in and treated him badly, he would take it personally. He would think, you know, what did I ever do to you? Sometimes it made him mad, sometimes it made him discouraged, but he had a hard time seeing that sometimes, you know, customers are usually just dealing with their own stuff, their, their own stress, and it wasn't about him. Taking things personally makes you feel guilty, overwhelmed, out of control, burdened, helpless, and it can lead to depression and anxiety. Number 10. Unreal ideal. This is the plague of social media. We look at others and we compare ourselves unfairly. So comparisons to others will always let you down. The unreal ideal sounds like Susan seems to handle this job just fine. How come I'm struggling? Or Bob seems to have it all put together. He's got perfect job, perfect wife. You know, I'm such a loser. James would compare himself to all his old high school friends, especially the ones that he saw on social media. He would tell me things like. They were all married, he would say. They all graduated college, they all served missions for their church, they all had great jobs. In his distorted thinking, their lives were perfect and his life was the only mess. Comparing ourselves to others usually leaves us feeling like we're never good enough, like we're an imposter. We may feel shame or discouragement, we may feel broken, or like we have to constantly compete to be good enough. So there you go. Those are 10 common cognitive distortions. Did you recognize any of them in your own life? In the next section, we're going to learn how to challenge cognitive distortions. But the first step is learning to notice when you do it. When you learn to notice how you think, then you can change it. And it can be really hard to notice your own cognitive distortions. So I encourage you to get another's perspective. Use the chart in my course to ask a close friend, family member, or therapist to tell you which of these cognitive distortions you commonly use. When you feel upset, check yourself for distortions. Catch yourself when you say words like always or never, or when you're making assumptions. Identify it and say to yourself, that's black and white thinking, or that's mind reading. In the next episode, we're going to work on the next steps, which are, you know, explore, challenge the thought, and then choose which thought's going to be most helpful for you. When it comes to challenging distorted thinking, basically it comes down to this. Don't believe everything you think. Challenge your thoughts. Look for exceptions or evidence to the contrary. Now, this is going to require you to be a little vulnerable, but it will also open you up to joy. When you learn to change the way you think, you can change how you feel. You can fight depression and anxiety, and you can live a happier life. This podcast was adapted from a YouTube video from my YouTube channel, Therapy in a Nutshell. So if you'd like to see more of my videos, check that out and go subscribe on YouTube. Also, you can sign up for my newsletter at www.therapynutshell.com. Thank you for listening, Take care.